Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Ball Hawks podcast. We are live for our first actual recorded episode here, and it only took us 16 seconds of being live before we realized it was live. So that's fun growing pains. But you know what? Nothing can get me down right now. I don't care if someone threw a rock through my window right now because we got a big Ravens win just a couple minutes ago. Um, I am your host, Steve Fisher. You can find me, like it says underneath my ugly mug, at SSFisher87. And to my screen left, the man in the uh, Darth Sidious hoodie, uh, we got Christopher Coda Phillips today. How how are things today, dude? <laughs> you, you, you stumped me with the sidekick again, Steve. Oh, I stumped um, you again. Yeah, it's an older are you one. Watch, are you watching shows that don't exist, or Brother Bear? Oh yeah, no, I've never seen that one. Ever, man. It, yeah, Slap you probably man. just watch it like it's like probably like um, you know practice for hunting. <laughs> yes, about a bear that somehow talks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you probably wouldn't shoot that bear because you'd be like, "Hey, this is a fun you know party trick." Yeah. Hey, everyone, come see my bear that talks. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. It's, I mean, I'm not as exuberant as you are because um, my team did not pick up that big W today. I, uh, I had a buddy over to watch the game tonight. Uh, Nathan was watching the game with me, and I, we were on the couch, and it was overtime, and I looked at him. I was like, this game has reached the point that regardless of the outcome, I'm probably just going to walk away frustrated no matter what. Um, I thought I would be less frustrated by the loss, but it it uh, is what it is. Yeah, you know, we're we're kind of flip flopping our emotions here. Last week, uh, you know, we didn't last week when we came on Sunday. You had just come off a big win. Um, I was looking forward to Monday night football. You know. I wish I would have known what I know now because I wouldn't have looked so forward to it, I guess. Um, but yeah, obviously a huge win today, uh, Sunday night football, the second primetime game in just two games for the Ravens, which is, uh, you know, kind of unheard of almost. So, uh, obviously we, you want to come in and beat the chiefs. Nobody, Nobody gave them a chance to win, not even like so-called Ravens fans. Everyone was like, give us the loss now. You know, we'll try our best. Um, that kind of stuff pisses me off a little bit. Um, just if, if your team is bad, OK. If your team is a contender, why do you not give yourself a chance to win? 
it's it's just one of those things that drives me a little nuts but again like i said nothing can get me down today don't care probably not sleeping tonight (laughs) other than uh other than football how was uh how was the sunday in the fisher household yeah, you know, Sunday was good. We had a, a big ball tournament. I was playing with uh, our, our buddies from the PP1 podcast. So we had a, a little mini tournament in baseball and just nice getting out with friends and being able to to play ball. It, it was sunny for uh, about one and, I don't know, nine tenths of the second game. And then the rain came pouring in. So can't really complain on a day where you thought you were going to get rained out uh ends up being two beautiful days how was how was yeah. the uh the sunday for you guys pretty uneventful uh you know the the usual grocery shop and watch football went to my parents house for dinner um i guess i did kind of miss uh my, my cue at the at the beginning there thanks everyone for listening uh we hope you guys are all tuning in uh live as well like steve said this is kind of a new venture for us as uh as you noticed because i went to go retweet the link and be like oh, actually, we're live right now. There was supposed to be a countdown. But <laughs> anyways, we are live. Uh, you can follow me over on Twitter, of course, as you can see at, right there, at PhillipsChris12. Don't forget the uh, podcast account at BallHawks underscore pod. And, uh, you know, go give the podcast a uh, – go smash that sus- subscribe button and uh, and check us out. Yeah, definitely uh... – Check it out. If you aren't on the live stream with us tonight, uh, we're, we're going to drop this episode tomorrow morning. So no worries for our friends on the East Coast where it is into the next day, actually. So the episode will drop in about six hours for you guys. Um, you know what, Chris? I'm going to give you... Usually I have a little rundown here, but I'm going to give you the choice. Do you want to talk Seahawks first today or do you want to talk Ravens first? Well, I think before we got into our own teams, weren't we going to talk about that uh, that kid from oh, Oklahoma with yeah. that unbelievable interception? Oh my goodness! Like, so for for anyone who didn't see it, you need to go check this out. I'm calling this um, literally the interception, the the greatest interception of all time, and also the greatest catch of all time. Like. So I, I can't even remember what the downs are. I can see you're pulling something up, so I'm sure you have it about to go here. But essentially, this DB turns to the sideline and just throws out the left hand. I think it was his left hand and basically catches it like body all contorted. But he is horizontal. Catching the ball makes this huge interception. Um, I've never seen anything like it. Look at that. So it's actually his right hand, which is even crazier. Oh my god! Like just so contorted, his arm up. Like Spencer Rattler's reaction there. That's exactly how I reacted when you sent me that video yesterday. I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like, no way! Like, now, I guess my question to you, because I know a lot of people were talking about this um, on on Twitter, is. Let's see what? it one more time if you can. Nope. One more time. One more time. It's been a really while since I've busted into tech- to song for this, eh? Really testing my technology skills here. Nope. So the okay, ball one more is time. going up. Oh, my goodness. 
like the into ball his body. is going up and he actually has to turn his body his body is horizontal facing the sidelines and he has to turn look over his opposite shoulder that is now behind him turn his hand his it's actually his right hand i was wrong about turns his right hand over to get that ball comes down doesn't even think about putting two hands on the ball that is just i mean look at the caption from pff college no what did we just see like (laughs) I, i that's one of those catches where it was no no words can describe how insane that is um whether you've played football or not being able to make a play like that accidentally like you kind of just fall into it great but you can see this kid is turning over and oh oh my goodness just i i actually think it's the greatest catch of all time really so you rank it above the odell, the odell beckham catch oh yeah because the odell really? yeah so here's the difference in like degree of difficulty so odell turns oh you know what i'll give hmm the the difference with the odell one is odell is being held right and his jersey is basically being like ripped off of him and he still kind of contorts his body all the way back which i am going to argue is an easier play because he's facing the ball like he makes a ridiculous acrobatic grab but he's facing the ball the whole like not the whole time but when he turns to like go go point the ball you can see that his whole body is facing the ball. Here it is. Right. So I think I give it to, I give it to Odell. Okay. Simply because like, and, and here's why the DB, like, don't get me wrong. What the DB did was amazing, but he also like, he turns it in towards his body. He like you, like he kind of like, you know, clutches it into, into his chest. Like as he comes down, Odell went up one hand, caught the ball, and then brought it in this way. Like I just, I, I, so, yeah, I give it to Odell. Okay. So Odell has a couple things going for him and going against him. He's supposed to get the ball though. He knows where the ball is going. He's the one who is in the huddle and he's like, okay, I'm going to do this like fader out to the outside. You're going to put it right on the corner where the DB can't get it. Makes a ridiculous grab. I've never seen anybody bend that far back. Like his body is like, you know, suplexed the other way to get it and the I, I couldn't remember who the Cowboys defender was but you can see him he's got a full jersey grab on him and he still makes the play but the fact that this kid uh for Oklahoma doesn't know what the play is and it's all reactionary it's all athleticism and just the fact that the ball is coming over from behind him and he has to spot it from around the other side and he catches it like side-handed like he has to turn his hand the other way to catch it whereas you may say he he didn't know what the play was going to be but at the same time it was fourth and 19 so you know you know they're looking to like i I think that that interception happened like right by the first down markers yeah so it's it they're you know they're probably in a in a prevent defense or you know three deep or or whatever they were i'm not taking anything away from him it's super impressive but i i still uh, I, I still give it to Odell. And actually, uh, fun fact about the Odell Beckham Jr. catch. Uh, that happened uh, the day Olivia was born. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was actually in the hospital uh, still because, I mean, Olivia was born at, you know in the middle of the night. So we were in the hospital that night. 
and uh, and you know Olivia was probably laying in my arms. Uh, Nadine and I were just hanging out, maybe watching a movie on my laptop or something like that. And my phone's just like Twitter is blowing <laughs> up with like like oh my god Odell Beckham and this is kind of like the early well, I don't want to say the early days of Twitter, but like it, it was still like early enough that it wasn't like instant. There was video footage of it like. Oh my God, look at this catch. Like, and there was, it was like, everyone was just talking about the catch. And I'm like, what the hell happened? So like, even still to this day, I was, uh, I was very much uh, removed, you know, from the actual moment of that happening. Yeah. But it's still one of those ones where you actually, like, I can't tell you where I was when he made that play. Yeah. And I was probably watching the game. And in that moment, whereas you can actually tell me what was going well, I, I could tell you exactly what day and what year it happened because right. it was my the the day of my daughter's birth. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, um, yeah. So obviously, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll jump on Twitter right now and uh, put that as a poll question. That'd be kind of a fun poll question for the uh, for our fans to say like which one do they think is better? And guess what? I, I'm fully admitting that there's probably a little bit of uh, recency bias since this just happened you know, earlier in the day, but I don't know. There's just something about a defender making that play. And like I said, the whole, the idea that he has to turn his hand over to catch that ball, um, is absolutely banana bonkers. Okay. But I mean, should we maybe figure out what that kid from Oklahoma, what his name is instead of just putting Oklahoma DB. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So maybe we'll do it after, uh, after the episode or something like that. Okay. Okay. Deal. Um, okay. Let's. Uh, I, I'm just itching to get into the teams here because I actually watched most of both games because you were the afternoon game. So I, I actually messaged you the moment where I turned the TV on. Um, l- let's start with the with the Seahawks. Happened earlier in the day. You, do you remember the moment that I texted you? Uh, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. It. T- Took me a second there. I was like, I know he texted me. I was like, <laughs> the, the one that was standing out, out in my mind the most was, I've never watched more Seahawks football in my entire life right? than I have these last two weeks. That was a legitimate <laughs> text message sent. Th- Sorry, <laughs> iMessage sent through. Yeah, that's the one that, that stood out initially. But yes, the, the one that right as you turn on the game, you turn on the game and you go, oh my God, that guy just got obliterated. And right. it was the... Uh, the the Nick Bellore, um tackle on uh, on special teams right after it was r- like right before halftime right after the Seahawks uh, scored a touchdown and there was like I don't know twelve seconds left in the second quarter and they they kicked the ball off and Chester Rogers was like yeah I'm gonna bring this one out and then just got crunched by uh, fullbacker slash linebacker slash you know special teams ace uh, Nick Bellore. Yeah, like, obviously, you know, you come back from playing two games of baseball, you know, get the kids down watching a show for a little bit of quiet time. And, you know, I'm still in all my ball gear. and I'm like, oh, I might as well have the TV on while I unload my ball bag. And, uh, yeah, Rogers gets <laughs> unloaded on like. So you unloaded your ball bag? Yeah, you, well, <laughs> you, you wouldn't know you're not a baseball player. I'm a child. That's all. And you're a child. I'm a child. That's yeah. been. We all know that already. Yeah, um, but yeah, he good for Rogers for actually holding on to the football because a lot of people would have uh, fumbled that ball. It, 
I like I, I don't know how he didn't and looking at how the game obviously ended that could have been uh the sealer right there I wish it was yeah so l- let's start with some of the positives that you liked from the game gotta start positive here oh man um Tyler Lockett looked great yeah my favorite um, fantasy football player ever <laughs> He's going on the Definitely. trade block tomorrow. I, I, I bet you he's going to be your first round pick next year. Yeah. Not keeping him. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, the positives. Yeah. Tyler Lockett was good. Um, he had another two really nice uh, deep ball catches. Again, um, his touchdown was, I, I don't want to discredit the guy. It was a little bit lucky, I guess. I mean, the, the, the two safeties ran into each other and Lockett was just kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm just going to take these free 30 yards into the end zone then. Yeah. Um, and uh, Russ, Russ was okay. Um, it's hard to fault Russ for the offensive struggles and the and and the game plan. I think you know he did he he played well. A um, little bit weird. He didn't seem to target any uh, uh, any tight ends. I think Gerald Everett had one target, one catch, and it was for like three yards. I don't think I saw Will Disley on the field the entire game. Hmm. Um, Alton Robinson had a brilliant strip sack of Tannehill that the Seahawks recovered on like the five-yard line or something like that. So, you know, scored a touchdown um, because of that strip sack as well. But again, after that strip sack, I don't know if I saw Alton Robinson on the field the rest of the game. So I like... It's been a, a bit of a contentious is, issue with all Seahawks fans is that, you know, Alton Robinson is performing really, really well in these uh, limited opportunities, but he's not getting more opportunities based on his gameplay. Like he's playing, mm. it just, it makes no sense. Um, I think last week he had like 12 snaps or something like that, played really well in those 12 snaps. And um, I mean, the, today, at least I noticed him on the one play um, and didn't notice him again. And after that, so whether he just didn't play after that or if he just kind of vanished, I, I'm not quite sure. Um, I mean, it, I would be crazy not to mention the 12s. Oh. It was awesome getting to watch. Um, and I, I shouldn't just say, you know, Seahawks football, but it's been amazing to watch football these last two weeks and see fans back in the stadium, see packed houses, hearing, hearing the noise. Um, and just like, I mean, uh, the, the Raiders Ravens Monday night game last week, that was a great, great football game. Uh, but it probably wouldn't have been as enjoyable or or as like maybe like memorable without the fans and just the, the reaction from the crowd and the, the uproar when, you know, when the home team wins, right? right. Um, the 12s were awesome today. I mean, I, I, I made that little hype video, uh, this morning, about uh, you know the the return of the twelves, you know first time being allowed in the stadium in six hundred and thirty days. Right. Um, so it was, it was cool. Yeah, it was really cool to to see and and hear the crowd. Yeah, if you guys haven't had a chance to, uh, you know, if you've been off Twitter today, I know Chris is way too humble to to hype it himself, but he it's his first time mm-hmm. doing a little hype video. He sent it to me. Uh, you did a great job, man. You guys need to check it out. It was. You know, I'm not a Seahawks fan. Obviously, I came after the game had started, but 
Um, I did watch that uh, pretty much at the start of the game, and it, it was good. It was it. It's what we've all been missing. Like when we had Michaela on a couple weeks ago, it's what we've all been missing: going to live sports, getting to cheer your team on, um, and just you know, you do make a difference in the stadium, whether. Some people say you do or you don't. I'm a firm believer that the home team basically starts at three nothing because, you know, a good crowd can get you three points easily. Yeah. Thanks, bud. Um, I guess one last positive. I just looking through my notes here. Um, I was really impressed with the Seahawks um, drive right before halftime. They yeah. went 75 yards in 44 seconds to score a touchdown right before the half. And didn't have to use a single timeout. Right. Yeah, which was super, super impressive. Um, I mean, it uh, unfortunately didn't make a difference at the end of the game. Um, it just the Seahawks have been this way for so many years, years where it's just like the tale of two halves, hmm. where it's like you know the offense looks really good in the first half, and then all of a sudden in the second half they disappear, um, and then you know the defense will be the opposite, where they, you know they'll be really bad in the first half and then disappear in um or and then be better in the second half and unfortunately this game uh both offense and defense looked good in the first half and uh and both ended up disappearing in the second half i mean derrick henry with 150 rushing yards in the second half like don't get me wrong he's like he's ridiculous and he's otherworldly but that's after bottling him up for only 35 yards in the first half to then see him explode for 150 in the second that that one uh that one's gotta hurt for yeah, sure there was a uh there was a game actually you know what the one i'm thinking of right now was the uh the first matchup in the playoffs of you know the recent teams of the ravens versus the titans uh ravens are at home basically had been stuffing Derrick Henry. And then he just, like you said, he gets better in the second half because the, the defense is worn down. And for some reason, for such a big guy, he just seems to keep going, keep trucking. And he just ran all over the Ravens uh, and won that playoff game. That was the one where uh, the Titans went and stomped on or were posing on the Ravens logo to start that whole feud. So I, I hear you on that, but the fact that he does it to like a bunch of teams doesn't, I I don't Mm. want to discredit the fact of like that, that tale of two tapes of, of, you know, Seahawks first half versus second half. But if he's doing it to a bunch of teams, is that just a product of facing the best pure rusher in the game right now? It's absolute. It's credit to the Titans um, and their game plan and not, not wavering, not going away from, from what, what their identity is. Their identity is Derrick Henry. Yeah. The offense runs through Derrick Henry and we don't care that he got bottled up for 35 yards in the first half. We're still going to give him the ball and we're going to give him the ball and give him the ball and give him the ball and give him the ball. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling like Marshawn Lynch and over, 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 and over again. Um, (laughs) Right. And that's, that's their, that's their identity. That's their game plan. And it's, Everybody knows that, and it's it's. I mean, I said it uh, on this podcast months ago. The way to stop the Tennessee Titans is to stop Derrick Henry. If you stop Derrick Henry and force the game through Ryan Tannehill's arm, that's going to give your team a better chance. But unfortunately, trying to stop Derrick Henry, you know, thirty-five times a game, like that gets exhausting. 
Right. So. And, uh, you know, the more he's one of those backs. I, I can't remember who I was talking to now. Might have been someone from work. Um, Derek Henry is that classic back that the more touches you give this guy, the better he becomes. Like you would, even if Derrick Henry was, you know, teamed up with like a Kamara and, you know, like a, a McCaffrey, you wouldn't want to do that with those guys because they actually start rolling the more touches these guys get. That's why you game plan your entire offense around them because, you know, they start to get... I don't know if I want to call it a groove, but they start to find creases. They start to get a feel for how the defense is playing them. And uh, like like Derrick Henry is, you know, notorious for waiting for those gaps and then just north-south. Well, that's going to come a lot easier when you get more touches to feel how the defense is hitting you, especially if the defense isn't changing their looks up. Yeah, I mean, I guess to play devil's advocate a little bit there, like, is it that he's getting better or the defense is getting tired? Yeah, it it's a great, you know, debate point, like chicken versus the egg kind of idea. Like what's actually happening? Is he getting better? Is he rolling or is he just wearing defenses down and like taking their will away? Isn't it kind of the same thing, though? Uh, you know, in a way, like I, I see like what you said, ch- chicken versus the egg, right? Like it, right. it's potato potato with like which one's which um and sorry i i know i said the the 75 yards in 44 seconds was going to be my last positive nope um i did but uh i do have one other positive um bobby wagner set a franchise franchise record today with 20 tackles oh my goodness he was just like i don't think anybody else was in double digits and he was just everywhere and like that sack that he had on Tannehill, like the look on Tannehill's face when he got up was like which is what what where did he what what just happened um nadine was watching the 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 game today and she saw derrick henry though and she goes who is that guy and what position does he play i'm like he's a running back she goes he's huge (laughs) and why does he have a burnt turd on the back of his head She's just she's hanging like, there. Look, she's like, look at that braid. I was like, you mean the turd sticking out the back of his helmet? <laughs> like, I don't know if it's a braid or if it's been like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know why it doesn't move. It's just like this floating turd that just wiggles on the back of his head. But you know yeah. what? It works for him. So, yeah, things we will never understand, I'm sure. Um, Before we get into other things and i know you probably don't want to talk about the negatives but i I do want to hear some of the yeah i do want to hear some of the things that you think this team could do to get better um i just want to point out the fact that this game went to overtime and it didn't come down to it but the nfl needs to change the friggin nfl overtime rules it it's it's wild to think that you could win a coin flip go down and score and that's the game it's basically like saying if you win the kickoff at the start of the game and you score a touchdown, why are we even playing the game? Both teams need to possess the ball no matter what happens. And I can't remember what college rules are. I think college rules, are they still shootout from the... Uh, they start at the 35-yard line. Okay. Um, but both teams get to possess it. Both teams get to possess. So you, you start at the 35-yard line. And I mean, obviously your, your goal is to score a touchdown. If you don't score a touchdown and you kick a field goal, the other team either has to match or beat. 
if both teams score field goals or both teams score touchdowns, it continues on. And then I think it's after like the second or third try, if it's still tied. Um, I think they have a rule in place now where they have to um, no longer kick PATs and they have to, if they score a touchdown, they have to go for two. Oh, I see. I'm, I'm pretty sure is a rule. Yeah. Um, I, I like the, the, the CFL, um, you know, not that we try to mention the CFL too, too much, um, but the, the <laughs> CFL um, has a similar overtime kind of like shootout, start on the 35-yard line type mentality. I don't think they have the, the two-point conversion um, thing that, that college has. Um, I think that's honestly probably more fair than what the NFL system is. Yeah. Yeah, I just both offenses need to see the field and both defenses need to see the field to decide who the better team is. That's why, you know, you would least get to touch the ball once at the start of the game or at the, you know, after half kind of idea. That's, they make it fair that way. And the other thing is like, I'm not sure why they want to end overtime so quickly. Overtime is like the best, maybe it's like something to do with like TV ratings or they can't go over by a certain amount of time but um that's that's honestly what you live for as a sports fan those tight tight games where you're on the edge of the seat and sometimes you leave heartbroken and sometimes you leave just on a super big high that's what you live for so why are we trying to force that into saying okay you got lucky with the coin flip um you know you have a chance to just end the game it's it's it feels like it's the NFL's version of like trying to replicate, um, you know, kind of hockey and um and soccer with like the golden goal, like the the yeah. sudden death, like first team to score wins. Like it it, it feels like that, but it it does definitely, um, you know, like I said, or like you said, excuse me, the the, the coin flip, um, has, you know, so much bearing on the outcome of the game and it's just like just luck yeah anytime there's that much luck involved uh i don't think the competitive balance is there um so yeah i would love to see more of a college style model put in place maybe not necessarily a shootout but um maybe don't give them timeouts in overtime and you know that will keep the clock running and it's you know, fast paced, high energy kind of football. But yeah, I just, it really rubs me the wrong way. Whether my team wins or loses, I think it's a reminder that that's definitely something that needs to be addressed going forward. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's, let's get into a couple things that you're hoping your boys can clean up. Yeah. Um, I mean, two weeks in a row, uh, the Seahawks gave up free first downs. It was third and short. Um, you know, who knows if, if the, I mean, last week against Indianapolis, um, Jamal Adams got called offside, um, when he actually wasn't offside, but anyways, Jamal Adams got called offside, gave India free first down, uh, this week. I can't remember exactly what the penalty was. It was third and two. Um, I think it was like neutral zone infraction or something like that. And it's just like, like, both times it's happened, you've given up the free first down, and then you just get picked apart afterwards. Luckily, it was a you know bend don't break drive, and and they you know both times resulted in field goals. But it's super frustrating, um, and which leads me to my other point: too many penalties. I think they had like 
I, I don't know what they ended up finishing with, but I know at one point it was 10 penalties for a hundred yards. That's too much. That's way too it's much. Way field. too many penalties. That's a football field. Exactly. You, you gave that, up a that, touchdown. Yeah. Like it, it's no wonder that we lost when we gave up a full field of, of penalties. Um, so that, that, that needs to be cleaned up. Um, I will say though, when it comes to penalties, um, the taunting penalty is absolute BS. Oh my goodness. Oh, get, get rid of it. Like, yeah. And like we were, we were talking about it. Like, so DJ Reed in a, uh, an emotional moment, ball passes incomplete flexes. Like, yeah, like we did it. We stopped him. Like, awesome. And, uh, and, and then gets flagged for taunting. But then the very next play, Al Woods gets a sack runs 10 yards down the field, fist pumping and doing the, doing the yeah. dances and, and whatever. That's not taunting. Yeah. Like I obviously texted you right away and a couple things about the DJ Reed one um, to me, and maybe I'd have to rewatch it, but my initial reactions was he was not staring him down. Like, you know, mean mugging him right in his face, like smacking helmets together. It was just one of those yeah. plays where it was like, I just made a huge play for my team. I'm amped up. I'm trying to get the boys amped up. I'm trying to get the 12s amped up. Um, I thought it was also garbage. And I agree with you. Like the one that I sent to you was, you know, I, I haven't really watched a whole lot of Dallas stuff, but what about when Zeke gets a first down and he does like the feed me kind of thing? Are we got, we got to call that taunting, right? Because you're literally, or like um, I'll, I'll give an example from the Ravens, right? Like, Every time Mark Andrews or Hollywood Brown get a, uh, a touchdown, they put the ball in front of them. You know, it's it's kind of out there pointing towards the first down and then they drop it. Well, if we're going to call like everything, you know, call everything. Don't just call these ones where it's like, oh, you're flexing on me. No, I'm not flexing on you. It's just like, yeah, it bothers me when it doesn't get consistently called. And the way they're calling it... I. I don't like poor sportsmanship at all, but what bothers me more is the fact that you're calling it sometimes that don't even seem like taunts. Like we talked about what we thought taunts were. There's like the very obvious taunts. And then there's the stuff that, you know, you're getting the guys amped up. You're maybe you're just trying to amp yourself up. If you can't tell the difference between those two, get rid of the rule that like yeah. it seriously, you have to get rid of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so frustrating. Like you said, it's not consistent. I mean, I play in lacrosse. I've been given unsportsmanlike penalties for things that probably would be considered taunting. Um, I deserve all those penalties, <laughs> um, but it's just, it like it, it makes no sense. It's sports are emotional events. They're emotional for the people playing. They're emotional for the fans. They're emotional for the coaches. They're emotional for the referees involved. Like there, there are so many emotions involved in sports that when you see a guy celebrating a big play on offense or defense, because it goes both ways, they have every right to celebrate. Yeah. They have every right to be amped up. Uh, and like, I made that play for my team. I helped out my team. I did this. I got this. I got that first down. I stopped that first down, whatever it may be. They have every goddamn right to celebrate. And if you want to call that taunting, like, come on, like I'm going to pull a, a, a page out of 
Chad Johnson's book. Like, child, please. Like, <laughs> it, it's like, it's bad. And we all know what child, please means. So Roger Goodell, like, child, please. It's bad. Like, that's like telling, like, like kindergarten kids on the playground, like, don't yell. Hey, like, don't celebrate because you won in tag. Like, no, just don't yell, are, period. Tell, tell yeah. a kindergartner at lunch not to just yell and get their energy out. Okay. Yeah. See how that works yeah. for you. Right. Thanks. And I, yeah, like, I think the thing that just bothers me the most is this is an entertainment business. And if you want people to provide entertainment, you need to know the line between crossing a line and doing something, you know, that's over the top. Like, we keep going back to this example when Juju cracked Perfect, and he, you know, Perfect's out cold, basically, and he is literally straddling him, flexing him, looking down, like screaming at him. That's an obvious taunt. I don't think anybody wants to see that. I think even Juju included would go back and say, I wish I, I, I could take that one back. Guess what? He's human. He, he could take that action back. For every one of those, there's a thousand other ones like DJ Reed, who, yes, he might be like flexing his arms, but he's just cheering. Like, leave it alone. Let, let the fans get entertained from stuff like that and call the really obvious taunting penalties. Yeah, like I, I could even make a case for, you know, Tyreek Hill and was it was it Antoine Winfield or Sean Murphy Bunting, the, the, the peace sign? Right. From, from last year. I could make a case for that being sure. taunting because it is looking back at the guy and kind of like flashing it in See his you. face. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, peace. Like, you, you can't catch me. Um but yeah, the, the DJ Reed, he wasn't in, I think it was Julio's face. Um, he didn't like get, you know, like get down on the ground and like, he's like, oh, I stopped, you know, like he turned around. He went, yeah, that was it. It was done. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's frustrating. Um, I mean, that's it's, as far as the rest of the game, the, I already mentioned the, the no tight end usage. That was very uh, just strange. Yeah, not so much frustrating, just strange. The entire offense was weird this week. Um, didn't look at all like the offense that we saw last week against Indy. Um, I, I joked to Michaela, like, did the Seahawks hire back Schottenheimer and not tell it, not tell anybody? It, it was that <laughs> like that much of a step backwards today. Um, but the the one that really frustrated me was the absolute lack of a run game. Um, they, they seem to abandon the run game the entire game, basically, but especially in the fourth quarter, it's the fourth quarter. I think there's like five minutes left in the game. You're up by seven. Why the hell are you going five wide? Yeah. Like, why are you clearly showing that you're passing the ball? You're going five wide. It just like, that's poor. That That's on Pete Carroll. That's on Pete Carroll for poor clock management, for poor time management. Um, you got to burn the clock there and, and end the game and get out of there with, with a win. Uh, especially when you can see like your defense is dogged, man. Like they've been chasing yeah. Derrick Henry around for a long time. Like they need a rest, keep them off the field and go have a long time consuming drive doesn't necessarily have to end in points, but you know, if it ends with the Titans getting the ball back with, you know, two minutes left or whatever, like I would prefer that than 
what happened. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to talk about the run game as well, but probably from the opposite standpoint. Yeah. So Man, I'll, I'll leave that Tyson, one for a bit. <laughs> Tyson, like, I, I know he texted you this. I can't believe how fast Tyson Williams is. Yeah, he, like, he looks I, just I don't understand quick. the Ravens coaches being like, we're just going to, like, you know, like spread the ball around and rotate it and just give it to whoever's fresh. Like, why are you not using Tyson Williams more? Like, I, I'm biased because I have him on my fantasy <laughs> team, but yeah. <laughs> but he's quick. He's quick and he looked good when he had the ball. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add, Seahawks wise? I still love them. I'm frustrated. I still love them. Um, you know, it, it's super fun. I know I've mentioned this uh, probably the last couple of weeks. I, I, I love interacting with everyone on Seahawks Twitter, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, go back to the positive about the 12s being back in the stadium. This is kind of like my first year where I, I've been on Twitter for a long time. I've made tweets here and there about the Seahawks, but this is kind of my first time that I've really kind of dived in head first and being like, no, like I want to interact and, and uh, I want to be more involved with, with people on Seahawks Twitter. So um, that's kind of my, my last piece is, I mean, the, the, the fans are great. We're still, you know, in my opinion, some of the best fans in, in the league. Again, I know I'm biased and I don't care, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's on, on to Minnesota, another tough game next week, probably uh, on the road. And uh, yeah, there's no sense uh, stewing over this one. Um, just think about the next one. Yeah, and I mean, that's life in the NFL, right? And like I said at the start of the show, I think that our, our two teams are a perfect example of why you can't get too high with the highs and why you can't get too low with the lows. Ravens Monday Night Football going into the Death Star against a Raiders team where they were heavily favored. Um, and uh, they honestly just lost. They got beat by a better team. They got outcoached. They got outplayed. And then you come back the next week against a team where the Ravens are almost never, ever, ever underdogs at home. And uh, they come in and beat, you know, the team that everybody says is, you're going to have to go through uh, the to get to the AFC championship. So I, I'm, I'm going to piggyback a couple of your comments here because I have them written down. But uh, it was so much fun getting to see not only on TV, but, you know, I obviously have Twitter up as I'm watching the game, getting to see those fans and interact with them on Twitter during the game was something so cool. Like you said, we haven't had fans back in the stadium in so long. And uh, the flock at the bank were just bumping tonight. Man, were they loud. Uh, so a big thanks to all of those guys, ladies, everyone in between who was just there supporting the team. Um, I know a lot of people counted this team out, but you go to a game, you cheer your heart out, and uh, every once in a while you get uh, a big win. So, obviously, to start the game, it couldn't have gotten worse. Literally, it was the start we all feared. Ravens get the ball to start. You're thinking to yourself, okay, you know what? We could 
put points on the board. We could make Mahomes catch us. Um, we could kind of dictate the tempo of this game if we can have a good first drive. Um, you know, at the very worst, maybe we flip the field position if we, uh, you know, get stalled at like midfield. And Lamar throws a pick six to Tyran Matthew. Um, so there was a little bit of a slip from uh, Sammy Watkins, who I'm not sure if he missed the read or if the slip actually moved him off that much or if Lamar missed the throw. I guess we'll probably hear from the players in terms of where that credit lies. Um, but before that, he uh, Lamar's going to kick himself tomorrow or probably already is. He misses Hollywood Brown on a deep, deep shot just before he throws the pick six. And it's almost like it just got in his head a little bit because Hollywood had beaten both of the last men back. Uh, and Lamar throws him probably by about four or five yards over. And he's a fast guy. So that definitely wasn't the start we're looking for. Um, you think to yourself, OK, you know what? Forget about it. It's early in the game. There's tons of game left. We can run our game plan still. Um, and the Ravens start marching. And again, you're thinking to yourself, here we go. This looks a little better. And then uh, Lamar throws uh, a pick in Casey territory. And uh, it, again, it's it's force fed into Hollywood and he's got three Casey defenders around him. And as soon as you see that ball go up, there's just a sea of red around little Hollywood and you're like, oh man, this is bad. So obviously instead of going for a long field goal, uh, that takes essentially three more points off the board. So a, a tough start right there. Um, second quarter comes and it's kind of, again, like a, a tale of two tapes. They just seem like they, um, yeah, they just seemed like they'd figured something out, whether it was what KC was doing defensively or, you know, they their offense was actually hitting their stride. Um, the defense kind of stepped up as well. Uh, I, as much as they gave up quite a few points, and uh, there's going to be lots of things the defense can look at going forward to fix. Um, the, the second series they had in the second quarter, I highlighted this one, uh, they gave up a first down. I think it was on like two plays. And then they had like insane tight coverage on three straight snaps to force a turnover. Um, the pass rush was getting some penetration early on. And I think this was kind of like a sign of things to come. So Justin Houston is getting pressure into the backfield. Uh, Justin Matabike is kind of pushing through, but Odafe Owe kind of stole the show for a bunch of different reasons. Um, and right off the bat, this guy is getting pressure. He is beating tackles. Um, he's chasing Mahomes down when he's booting out. Uh, so that that's good to see. Obviously, uh, you want your first round picks to pan out. You want them to be immediate starters. And man was he an immediate starter today? Um, the other thing I, I wrote down for the second quarter is um, they're, they're finally letting Lamar run. And this, this offseason especially, every pundit is talking about 
how Lamar Jackson needs to be this pure pocket passer and his passing and passing, 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 passing. Who cares? Let Lamar, he'll be the first one to admit that he needs to fix some issues with passing and he needs to evolve as a passer. But let Lamar Jackson do what he does best. You drafted him because he's a weapon and he's not just a passing weapon. So they had a lot of, uh, there were a couple design runs for him and he was just gouging KC. Uh, so they were finally letting him be the weapon that he really is, and uh, I loved this. Um, now, yeah. did he? Did sorry, go for it. Did he run like? Did he run more than like than usual? I I haven't watched a lot of Ravens games, like unless they do play prime time, just simply <laughs> because uh, they're not on TV a lot on the West Coast. I, I know you have. Uh, the zone or, or whatever to, to usually catch your, your Ravens games. But like, I, I felt like he ran a lot tonight. Um, is that kind of usual? Is that unusual? I mean, obviously like he was, he was taking advantage of what was given to him because the, the chiefs run defense uh, clearly leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, um, like I, I would say as of late, they're letting him run more than he has. Uh, the, First game, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had 12 carries. Uh, tonight he had 16 carries. He had over 100 yards. So I, I don't know if I would say more than usual for this season, but it just seemed like more of them were designed plays as opposed to like everything is collapsed. I'm just going to go like there was a few RPOs where he read it properly and he gouged or there was you know, a designed run for him, like on both of his touchdowns on both of his touchdowns, they knew he was going to take it to the edge. And I think it was Collinsworth even pointed it out saying, you've got a guy spying him. He's getting out there. He just can't beat Lamar Jackson to the cone. So tough luck. And that's what they need to do with Lamar Jackson is put him in scenarios where his athleticism can beat another person's athleticism and then he can make that split decision if you know a guy gets a step on him and he knows he's not going to get to the end zone like how he's been you know feeding the ball into hollywood in the end zone when the defenders all run up to meet him like let him make those decisions his read option uh and how he executes the read option really impressed me like like there was a few times he tricked me for sure like, he I'm the surprised the camera, a couple is, times. Did you see what's it? What's that? Did you see the whole game? Uh, pretty well. I know we were outside for a little bit at my parents' house trying to get my kids to ride their bikes. Um, yeah. but like there, there was I can't. It was in the fourth quarter for sure, where I thought for sure he was going to hand it off, and all of a sudden it's like very like last like millisecond he just keeps it like and rips. goes, and I'm like, holy crap like he literally waits until the very last yeah. moment um to to decide which is is such a you know like special skill set yeah um i mean of course his athleticism and his speed helps him and, and allows him to do that but just like the iq as well to to like be able to like wait to that very last second and i mean the the go-ahead touchdown i i texted you like what a great decision i, I said yeah. I, I said to you great play call but really it was it was a decision made by lamar to keep it yeah because 
everyone thought they were going <laughs> to pound it right up the middle. Yeah. And he's just like, eh, psych, and takes the edge. It's funny that you mention um, his RPO and how you're impressed with it, because in his rookie year, um, especially in that playoff game where all eyes are on him, they had two turnovers where he went to go rip it out last second. The running back went to take it and they fumbled the ball. So everyone was like, oh my gosh, this guy can't hold on to the ball, yada, yada, yada. So yeah, you know, they're growing pains of it, but when it's executed properly, like you say, you pull it out at the very last second and (laughs) you're such a child. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh, uh, I, I think am. he has children. That That is not how babies are made, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Life lessons with Chris. Um, but that that's what the RPO does, right? It It is all predicated on making the proper read, whether the end goes or doesn't come crashing in. So you have to wait till the very end to, to make that decision. And uh, yeah, I thought he was really fantastic with that. Um a little note here for fantasy football owners. Uh, I'd just like to say that I called the fact that the Ravens are loving having Latavius Murray in their red zone packages. Uh, I, I think that's two weeks, two touchdowns. You know, he's not getting a lot of the share of carries, but the ones he's getting are going to be relevant. And uh, it, it shows why. Um Another thing that I I really liked was um, Mark Andrews has kind of been getting dumped on lately. You know, he just signed the big contract. Everyone's talking about how, you know, he's disappearing in big games and, you know, he, he missed a big catch against the Raiders, yada, yada, yada. I thought he made some big catches on, you know, there was a second and five catch into the middle of the field right before halftime. And he's like, he's in between the hash marks. They don't have any timeouts left. And he just starts booking it for the sideline. And there's two uh, chief defenders. And just to get out, he hurdles the one defender and like reaches out as if he's like trying to like score the touchdown by just getting out of bounds. Um, and then, you know, that's what makes a player special. The, the ability, like he was Lamar's, him and Hollywood were the safety blanket every time Lamar wanted to pass today. Um, and then he goes and makes a game-changing difference play uh, to set up that big field goal before the end of the half. And uh, the fact that they got to half with being just down four points, considering they gave up seven to start, and then they got at least three taken away, um, that's basically a 10-point difference right there. So I thought for the remainder of the half, after the first two series, uh, they played a really good game. The I, I think I tweeted out there's a lot of things we can clean up, but there's a lot of things to uh, be happy about. So we get into the second half here. Um, this is where, you know, the craziness happens, but it, it kind of starts off very, very underwhelming, if you might say so. Mahomes is very methodical. Um, the The Ravens game plan was very obvious. They were not going to pressure him. They were going to let their four-man pressure get to him. They were going to take away uh, Tyree Kill. They were going to take away Travis Kelsey as much as they could. And Mahomes didn't really have a lot of deep balls. But to his credit, in the special player that Mahomes really is, 
he pulled off the TB12 method so insanely well today. He was just nickel and diming this team down the field. He was finding, you know, spots in the zone or, you know, matchups that he liked, getting the ball out of his hands quickly and letting his playmakers make plays. The I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure the yards after catch for for Sin, uh, for KC were just off the hook today. Um, I also put in here, uh, Hollywood has been everywhere when they need to play to get the ball in his hands in space. And I put, as I'm writing this, Hollywood has a big touchdown. Let's go. Like literally as I'm jotting down a little note with this, but he was kind of just, when you needed a play, he was there. And I think he's showing everybody why they made him the first receiver off the board. I can't remember what his, I've actually got it right here. Uh, he had 113 yards, six receptions, but he had 10 targets. Like, he was what they wanted to focus in on. Mark Andrews, same thing, five receptions, 57 yards. He had five targets. Um, and Sammy Watkins. Like, they're they're letting their big guys make plays, and their big guys are making those plays. So it's kind of nice to see uh, that part there. Um, Mahomes then kind of like is a little bit of tale of two Mahomes where he makes amazing plays and then he kind of is making some boneheaded plays like the one where he threw it away um, Odafe away you know sheds his blocker gets the shoestring tackle and instead of just taking the tackle um, and potentially putting up three points on the Ravens he forces the ball off you know kind of kilter and uh it sails over his head and the ravens get an interception i'm curious to see if the media is going to be all over mahomes for this of course not of course not right he's the baby goat don't forget oh my goodness like if if lamar jackson does that they're talking about how he's trying too hard and he needs to get back to his game and you know he he's not that kind of player I think with guys like that, you you live and die by what they can and can't do. He's going to make more of those plays than than he than he doesn't. Uh, but that's a huge, huge changing point in the game for for three points. Another big thing in that third quarter that I think um, kind of didn't come to light that really could have burned the Ravens uh, later on in that uh, there was one drive they had in there. I can't remember which one it was. They called two timeouts in the same drive because their team couldn't get lined up quick enough. And like one of them ended where a bunch of the Ravens are just losing their mind, like on the field as if they thought they were, you know, going to get the playoff into maybe they were going to get the playoff in time, but um, you can't, you can't leave it up to chance when you need every drive to count. Um, so the fourth quarter, we haven't even got to the fourth quarter. Oh, my goodness. The fourth, qu- fourth quarter had everything. It it has uh, a touchdown. The Ravens uh, are up. I guess this was the one that they were. Uh, it's all kind of a blur right now. Um, the one where they went for the two-point conversion and uh, Kevin Zeitler, their guard, gets called for being too far into the play, whatever that is called. 
I don't know. I, I, I missed that one. I was putting my kids to bed. Oh, you missed it. So what happened yeah. was um, I, I have to rewatch this play, but it, it looks like he's he's making a block and he either slips, gets pushed, uh, basically like one of those inadvertent plays where he ends up kind of falling to the ground. He's in the end zone and he just turns around and the play is way off in the other side. And Lamar hits the two point conversion pass to Hollywood Brown and they call him for, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Uh, oh, ineligible man downfield. Because he was more than one yard off the line of scrimmage. And people are losing their minds, me included. And I tweeted out, you cannot be looking to make penalties happen. Like, if it's a very obvious penalty that he's like blatantly downfield, he's in the middle of the play. Okay, I get it. If he's just running and being a bonehead, sure. It's one of those plays where it's so ticky tacky that why are you calling it? it? It just reminds me of when I was watching the DJ Reed taunting penalty. You're looking for excuses to in like infuse yourself into this game. And uh, it bothers me a lot. Let these guys play. If it's not an obvious penalty, don't call it. Just don't call it. Um... Another thing in there, uh, a guy that's been talked a lot about in the Ravens world right now, um, former Alabama corner Anthony Averett, he had a huge blanket on Tyreek Hill. It was a a big, big third down play. Uh, Looked like it was probably one-on-one coverage. Um, And I wrote down, this is a momentum changer and could be a play uh, we look back on and say that stop won us the game. And I, I actually do believe uh, that stop won us the game. Um, again, Lamar is just being Lamar. But one thing I, I wrote down before they take the lead is offensive coordinator Greg Roman takes a ton of flack from Ravens fans. Like just so much flack when he calls a bad game. It's quite interesting when he calls a good game, nobody is on there praising him. So I think I tweeted out, um, you know, he is not abandoning the run game late into the fourth quarter, even though they're down, which he's been criticized for. And you know what? When when you're calling a good game, give the guy some credit. He called a fantastic game today. Like you mentioned, Chris, uh, the Chiefs run defense is <laughs> very leaky. Uh, he saw that he stuck with it and that's honestly probably what won them the game like they controlled the clock so well um but one thing i wrote in here was the uh the ravens score the go-ahead touchdown at 314 and they go for the two-point conversion um they don't get it it's 36 35 and i put the ravens would be up by four if it wasn't for the two-point call uh pending obviously a Justin Tucker extra uh, PAT so that that call didn't change the outcome of the game but it just as easily could have changed the outcome of the game Um, and then obviously the thing that changed the whole game Mahomes looks like he's marching down for a game-winning field goal yada 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 we've seen this before (laughs) and I tweet out on the two-minute commercial, turnover vibes with the fingers crossed. And, I mean, you can timestamp it all you want. 
that's my claim to fame. You said, you know, you're going to get one in a million of these right kind of idea. But guess what? The one time was the one time we needed it. And uh, literally the the interweb was still filtering my tweet to every, you know, smartphone that was out at that time. But the turnover vibes worked. They got the turnover. And then how about John Harbaugh going for it on fourth down? pretty much in his own territory to seal the game. Like you Lamar should have been fighting for taunting. Oh yeah. You, you, you had mentioned that, that you, you sent me a tip. I, I obviously was jumping around trying not to wake my kids up. I didn't really see what it was, but the fact that you like, go again, for just, it on fourth just, down to not give Mahomes the ball back. I love that aggressive play from Harbaugh. Uh, and he trusted his best player to seal the game and they do. But what, what was the taunting penalty? I'll, I'll entertain it now. Yeah, no, no, just, just similar, like kind of same ideas when a guy gets a sack and runs 10 yards down the field and blah, 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 blah. Like he was like, you know, ran a couple yards down the field, like spiked the ball, dancing and celebrating with his teammates. Again, I have no problem with it, but it's just the, the whole consistent consistency issue that I have uh, with, the NFL and and with that I I obviously don't think that uh that he should have been should have been flagged but I just just question why one thing is and the other thing isn't uh taunting in that scenario yeah and I I'll admit I do the exact same thing I I guess I question those kinds of even though I don't think you know the what you're describing and I'll I'll go back and watch it after what you're describing doesn't sound like taunting you know, putting the ball out for the first down and like dropping it doesn't sound like, you know, taunting. But as per letter of the law, because that's how you're apparently calling it against defenders only, why are you not being consistent? And I agree with you, Chris, that it drives me absolutely bonkers when consistency isn't shown. It's just it's so it. it not to circle back to the whole taunting thing. It's just, it's such a step backwards for the NFL to go from like many, many years ago, where if you celebrated a touchdown, you know, too hard or, or whatever, or choreographed a, a touchdown dance, you were flagged. That was, that was against the rules, but now touchdowns do whatever the hell you want. Basically more or less. You, I, I don't think you can use props still, but uh, you, you can still pretty much do whatever you want but you can't celebrate a first down or stopping a guy. I did whatever. Yeah. I'll, I'll go on for days about this still. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, I'm not even going to get into any of the negatives at this point. I don't really care. That's a game that they stole from a really, really good team. Uh, they showed a ton of grit resilience. Uh, you know, literally, like I said, couldn't have started any worse. Um, they have, did you see the little infograph that, oh, I can't remember who sent it out, but it said the average team, uh, their IR consists of about four players. That's the NFL average was four IR players. Baltimore Ravens, 14. <laughs> like, I, I, I saw that right, uh, right before we jumped on here. Um, I was, uh, having my, my little pregame warm up and, uh, and I, I saw that while I was uh, uh, doing my doing my warm up. Yeah, doing your warm up. 
yeah, so I, I'm super pumped about it. Like I like I tweeted out, I'm probably not going to be going to bed anytime soon. And uh, for once, I'm okay with it. Great, guys. Ballhawks podcast. We're going to be here all night long. <laughs> All right, but not actually all night long. We are going to get into your favorite segment of the week. Uh, we're we're going to come down from this like all Ravens talk right now. And uh, what do you have for us for third down, dude? Everybody's favorite favorite segment, the third down. Um, we all know that you guys have listened to the show for months and months. But, you know, for anyone that might be tuning in for the first time, maybe catching us live on Twitter, not quite sure what, what we're all about. By the way, Ballhawks podcast, go subscribe on uh, your favorite podcast platform now. The third down segment, I'm going to give Steve some head-to-head matchups. He's going to pick the winner in that matchup. At the end of it, I'm going to give a quick rundown of who he chose. He's going to pick his MVP. This isn't football-related. Usually it actually isn't football-related. <laughs> I, I try to you know switch it up as much as I can on, on Steve. I'm a little bit nervous for tonight's because – as you guys all know, again, being longtime listeners, Steve doesn't watch movies. Steve's <laughs> never seen movies. a movie in his life. Just sports um, movies. What's that? Just sports movies. I don't really just, watch a lot yeah, of. Yeah, just sports movies, apparently. But yeah, Strange. Steve's never seen a movie in his life. Um, so I'm really <laughs> nervous about about uh, about doing this one. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to give it a try and, and hope for the best. Maybe he's heard of at least one of these guys. I don't know. So this week, I'm going to do uh, top movie villains oh okay now i did put a bit of a stipulation in this one i excluded anybody from a superhero movie oh, okay because it's just too easy to include like oh thanos and the joker and the penguin and Fair. yeah so i i excluded superhero people okay all right man you ready i'm ready let's do it third down let's go all right Matchup one, we have Syndrome from The Incredibles, which uh, is kind of funny. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, you called me uh, Incrediboy or, or whatever it was, so <laughs> and we couldn't remember Syndrome's name. Uh, versus Lotso, Hug and Bear from Toy Story 3. So Syndrome is Incrediboy, right? That's what he goes by later? Syndrome is when he's like the supervillain, yeah. Right. He, he starts off in, as Incrediboy, and then when he turns bad, he turns into Syndrome. Right. Um, a tough one. Uh, you know, I'm going to give this one to Lotso, and just because he is... He shows that, like, extra little bit of ruthlessness when, you know, he's down in the toy belt conveyor and... He's like, Sheriff, give me your hand. And Woody does it. And Woody saves him. And then it's like, boom, where's your kid now? And it's like, oh, you didn't just do that, Lotso. But he did. So Lotso's a real son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care that you smell like, smell like strawberries, Lotso. <laughs> you big jerk. Push the button, man, and save the toys. Save the toys. <sighs> I don't Thank care God. if you smell like strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna you know be the what's line funny of the night. every time that i've been to disneyland <laughs> i grab the lotso hug and bear and i grab it and i go yep smells like strawberries does it actually every time. yeah it does actually oh wow yeah it actually smells like strawberries that's so funny. um yeah yeah did you think i made that up 
I, I thought maybe you were being like slightly sarcastic where, you know, you pick it up and trying to play character of what actually happens. Like, mm, that smells like strawberries, kids. <laughs> they like tend to believe it because they get. Yeah. No, no. That I mean, that Lotso bear probably doesn't smell like strawberry. He probably smells <laughs> like trash and stale cigarettes or something. <laughs> At least a little bit of drool. I mean, he's he's in a daycare for how long right yeah well, anyways um okay this isn't a, a, a real matchup but who who do you think is worse in the toy story universe lotso or sid phillips sid phillips really not even close i i think lotso just because of the whole like he pretends to be nice and then like he's like ha 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 like where's your kid now i i, I like sid you know is evil lotso tries to play nice but in a short amount of like movie time, think of how many things Sid blows up. And then you think of how he got that reputation. You had to like murder a ton of toys to get to that. Got to be Sid Phillips. What? You mean that small, happy child who's laughing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. I love Toy Story. Uh, next matchup, we have Captain Hook from Peter. Now, I'm going to give you give you the option on this one. You can either choose Captain Hook from Peter Pan or you can choose Captain Hook from Hook. So okay. your choice uh, versus Shredder. Ooh, darn here. I thought you were like giving me like a cakewalk here. <laughs> oh, man. As a kid, Shredder was like one of my arch nemesis. Like I just hated Shredder because I was such a Ninja Turtle fan. But I am picking Hook from Hook as the winner because as a child, I was terrified of boxes. I was terrified of boxes because of the scene where he throws that dude in the boo-boo box and puts the scorpions in there. Like, I had nightmares for years about that thing. So, um, I, I hated Shredder more because I loved Ninja Turtles. But the fact that, you know, Hook gave me nightmares for that long because of that damn boo-boo box. Like, I still don't like boxes. Fun fact, the guy that he throws in the boo-boo box is actually a woman. Oh, really? It, it's Glenn Close, yeah. Oh, <laughs> interesting. I know way too much about movies. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> we're, that's we're such you do. polar opposites. <laughs> like the guy that's never seen a movie and then the guy that's like, hey, fun fact. Did you know? Fun fact. I, mean, I, that. I would probably give it to the uh, to the Dustin Hoffman hook as well. I mean, yeah. he kidnaps kids for Christ's sake. So <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a bad man. How can that not be terrifying? You're a mean man and you need your mommy. Rain Man is stealing kids now. Like, that is terrifying. <laughs> See, I watch movies, Chris. <laughs> he's more than just like a number genius. He Next thing you know, he's got Mrs. Robinson in one of the back uh, back rooms. And... <laughs> wow. This took a weird turn of events. I actually, again, fun fact, read a uh, read something about Hook where um, Hoffman and uh, Bob Hoskins, who plays Smee, um, actually, while they were reading the script, realized that like these guys are 
these guys are lovers. Yeah. Like, so, so they actually played them as, as gay characters. So, yeah. Um, the next matchup, I'm really worried. This is where the wheels are going to fall off. Um, I'm, I'm nervous about this matchup. Jack Torrance, the shining <laughs> versus not a Christmas movie. Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Uh, never seen either of them. Ah, the wheels fell off. Yeah, I knew it was going to happen. Um, but this is a perfect time, a perfect time to get people really pissed off. Um, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Not a Christmas movie. Don't care what you say. Um, just because a movie is in the time frame of, you know, late December, it's snowing, does not make it a Christmas movie. Um, even if the plot has something, you know, kind of about Christmas. Nope, not a Christmas movie. Want to know what a Christmas movie is? Christmas with the Cranks. It says it right in the title. There's a oh good indicator that it's a Christmas movie. Want to know what another cr- good Christmas movie? Elf, because it's Home all alone. about Christmas. Home Alone. They're actually trying to get home for Christmas. They're, mm-hmm. He gets the bad guys with Christmas ornaments. That's how you can tell it's a Christmas movie. Die Hard, from what I've heard anyways, I I shouldn't say I haven't watched it. I think I watched it once as like a little kid. Um, I don't remember any of it. I've heard it's a great action movie. Not a Christmas movie. You yeah, heard it it's here a, first. It's, it's a fun movie, but it's, yeah, it's not a Christmas movie. Not by any means. So I'm, I'm going to pick the other one just to, you know, piss everyone off about Die Hard being a Christmas movie. Jack Torrance, it is. All right. From The Shining. From The Shining. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's Jack Nicholson. Oh. In The Shining. Um, thank you for showing out Christmas with the Cranks, by the way. <laughs> Great show. That that has become one of uh, mine and Nadine's like favorite, favorite Christmas movies. Um, we, every December, like we have a rotation of like 10 christmas movies every december that we're like we have to watch all of these yeah. in the month of december and i can't remember when we first watched that one but it quickly became one of our favorites and i was like as soon as i saw that like walmart in the five dollar bin i was like yep need that like just in <laughs> case just in case it disappears from uh the the streaming services or, or whatever i was like yep i have to have that movie like i yeah that that one's it's it's great it's gold definitely Free Frosty, free Frosty. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I've got a a couple uh, more matchups for you here. This one, I'm sure you know of both these guys. Uh, Biff Tannen from Back to the Future versus Ivan Drago, which I don't know which Rocky movie he's from. Um, I want to say Rocky 3, maybe 4. I have no idea, but Ivan Drago. They're kind of all... uh... A blur, right? I, I couldn't yeah. tell you which one it's from either. Um, <laughs> Back to the Future is one of my all-time favorites. Um, whether you're talking about just single movie, and I would put one, two, or three against many other movies. Um, three? Oh, you know what? The more you watch three, like, as an adult, it... I really like it. Um I kind of like that getting back to the Western theme. Um, but but then again, I, I like movies where, you know, you go back to a simpler time. 
So it's a no-brainer for me. That's got to be Biff Tannen. He's got so many memorable, like, one-liners in there. Like, of course, manure following on him all the time is just a classic funny thing. Um, Why don't you make, like, a tree and get out of here? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, McFly. Yeah. Yeah, So good. uh, Yeah, I... I think for me, if I'm choosing between the, the, the three, it's still the original for me. Really? Yeah. The second one's cool with the sports almanac and like going to do the future. Yeah. Which, I mean, I wish that's what things look like now. Um, but uh, yeah, it's still the original, the uh, en- enchantment under the sea dance and, you know, saving his, his his sibling, you know, him and his siblings are fading in the picture, and and he plays the uh, um, Johnny oh be good. god, that Johnny be good, yeah, yeah. Fun fact: my dad grew up playing the cross against Michael J. Fox. No way. Yeah, that's cool. Another, I another fun my fact dad. here with Chris. Yeah, <laughs> my dad used to beat the crap out of Michael J. Fox playing the cross. <laughs> Gord the goon. Yeah. Um, last matchup. And again, I, I think, you know, both of these guys, I think we've had discussions about me not seeing these movies. Uh, so we have Voldemort from Harry Potter versus Darth Vader. Oh man. Battle of the heavyweights here. I, that's why I left it to last. I, I know nothing about either. I mean, I know Darth Vader. I have no idea who Voldemort is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, the, I don't know how you pick this one. You've got a guy who's magical, who is like the epitome of bad evil. There's just no good hope for him. And then you have Voldemort, right? <laughs> I exactly. I could have been talking about either one, right? Like, oh, you've got the force on one. You've got here's what makes Darth Vader such a like super villain is the fact that he starts out as Anakin. He starts out as this like great young aspiring Jedi um, and just bad choices turn him into this super villain. Oh, wait, I could be talking about Voldemort as well. So for all of you who haven't seen that, obviously he starts out as like this aspiring Anakin. wizard. Wait, he doesn't Voldemort start out as, as Anakin Skywalker? <laughs> he doesn't start out as Anakin Skywalker, <laughs> but he starts out as Tom Riddle. Um, yeah. Uh, darn. I'm, I'm going to take flack either way I go here. So uh, I'm I'm picking Voldemort. Ooh. I know. That surprise. Isn't your wife a big Star Wars person too? No. Oh, I thought she no, was. I like Star Wars. And she when oh, we first okay. met, she'd never seen any of them. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, this is so exciting. Here, let's watch this one. And she fell asleep like 25 minutes in. And she, uh, she like never falls asleep to movies like I do. Your, your wife and I have that in common. I would also fall asleep if I watched Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, a quick rundown here of your winners and Steve. We have Lotso Huggin' Bear, even if he doesn't smell like strawberries. <laughs> uh, Captain James Hook from Hook, the Dustin Hoffman version. 
Uh, we have Jack Torrance from The Shining. We have uh, Voldemort from Harry Potter and Biff Tannen from the Back to the Future trilogy. Uh, who is your MVP? I think I have an idea, but. Honestly, I don't think you do because I don't really know. I no. know it's not. Lotso's not enough of a, a supervillain to win it. Obviously, whoever the shining one, I had never even seen it. All of the other three could make a legitimate argument for it. Now, if we're going just based on villain, it would have to be Voldemort. But in terms of who I'm picking for my MVP, I have to go back to Biff Tannen. I just, I love how stupid he is. I love, I love the one-liners. Um, and he's just like, he, he's somebody you could actually relate to. Like, we all know a Biff Tannen. We've all met Biff Tannen somewhere in high school and maybe even after high school. Um, and it just brings you a little bit of joy that manure falls on the Biff Tannens in life. As You know, so pick and Biff. It's 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 funny that you say that, and cause I was like, oh, he's gonna pick Voldemort, and I was like, actually, no, he's gonna pick Biff Tannen. Yeah, and, yeah. So um, I think that's a uh, pretty. Oh, I have a little technical <laughs> difficulties, of course. Oh, did you hear me? <laughs> no. Uh, I, I said that's a pretty okay choice, but I'm not giving you the first down still. Okay. Thanks for that's making like me repeat myself fourth in, in 94 now yeah you're definitely getting the first down after making me repeat myself <laughs> yeah. hey look <laughs> i can't help it if my internet's very subpar sorry uh, what was that sorry <laughs> what um okay let's move on to the mailbag we uh sent this out earlier in the day people were busy talking about some you know doing some football stuff some people were doing a little bit of baseballing, uh, um, but we got some questions in. We got some people to send us questions in, and uh, so our first one comes from Ryan Hank. Um, would you say the Seahawks are both pretenders and contenders at the same time? I think he was being a bit of a, a dummy with that, but... The second part to it is actually kind of legitimate. He's saying, are they a boomer bust, basically? What do you think? Uh, that's bait. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes, they are, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, yeah. They are boom or bust. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I know the first part was a little bit of a bait. Uh, his second part was something I, I, me... I'm talking in first person. Uh, Steve yelled at Ryan in group chat. Who's wrong? So I'm going to answer this one plain flat out. If you are trying to talk to me about business related things or trying to figure out plans in the middle of a primetime game when my team is playing, you are wrong. Um, sorry, what is this group chat and why am I not? A, like we have a group chat. I'm like, what is Ryan talking about? There's an I actually went. I actually went into our group chat and I'm like, Ryan didn't message Steve at all. Like, what is going on? Uh, Clearly, uh, I'm being left out of something. This is awkward. awkward. No. Awkward. He basically just sent like 800 messages in a row and I, in four letters, told him off. Um, because I was trying to enjoy the game and my phone is just, you know, blowing up for no reason. Um, okay, the second question comes from our buddy Christian at Holy Cola. 
I'm thinking you're probably not going to answer this one or you might have some, you know, swear type words for Christian. <laughs> but he's a big Titans fan. We knew this was coming. Um, how do you blow that lead at home, especially when the officials were really trying to help you win? Love Christian. And he ends it with love Christian. So that, that was kind of nice. Again, that's bait. <laughs> And, and I'm not taking it. Chris isn't taking it. So I'm taking that bait, Christian. Fun <laughs> fact. Christian changed my diapers once upon a time. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like slight karma for like all the nasty diapers you made him change. No, no. 17-year-old no, Christian poked me. So, okay, okay. Let's, let's really get into it. Um, when me and my brothers, all three of us, my, my mom didn't use disposable diapers. Uh, she used cloth diapers. Um, so it was uh, Christian and my uncle Ron, um, the resident Cowboys fan, and uh, they jabbed me with safety pins, trying to put my diaper back on. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't done that, right? <laughs> I mean, if I was seventeen year old years old trying to change a cloth diaper, I'd probably do the same thing. But I mean, they were probably drinking my dad's beer, um, <laughs> just you know, being unruly seventeen year olds. Yeah, they probably should have called my grandma for help. But they, and uh, yeah, look just, at how great you turned out. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Christian, I'm not taking your bait, man. Yeah, but I do want you to answer this one. His second question was, uh, "Was that a safety?" So we're yeah, talking probably. About, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I I saw that one. I was like, yeah, that probably was a safety. I mean it didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, like having Michael Dixon punt from the literally very back of the end zone puts you guys basically right in field goal position. So it didn't really matter, but yeah, it probably was a safety. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have one more, uh, person with questions. Uh, Marquise are, are, Oh wait, Chris is giving me the, the Dikembe Mutombo finger here. Like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. What did I miss? Let's get let's get through Marquise's questions, and then I have a uh, an off air question for you. Oh, perfect. Put put me uh, on the spot on air with an off air question. Couldn't lead to anything horrible. Um, okay, so his first question is: With all these injuries, where does that leave the Ravens? In his defense, he sent this at five fourteen, so just before the game, and you know where that leaves them in the W column, baby. One win closer. Um, in all realities, uh, what it's going to do is really test their depth. They have to have a little bit of luck on their side going into the season. Um, obviously, he might have even been talking about the injuries for this game. Uh, they had Jimmy Smith out. They had Ronnie Stanley inactive. Uh, Dalen Hayes amongst others. So if he's talking about that... Uh, I, I think the Ravens just need to keep doing what they're doing. Like, it sounds stupid, but next man up is next man up. And, uh, you can't dwell on the fact that you've got a bunch of people on IR. You just have to play with who you have. Uh, and it, they're showing that they are a deep team, like the amount of starters they have out and they just took it to the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, shows you that they can still be, uh, you know, Super Bowl contender. Maybe that's a bit of a reach, but they're definitely in the playoff conversation. Um, his second question 
Will the Colts need a better option at QB than Wentz? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Although, like, to be fair, his offensive line has done him no favors either. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll give him that at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. He did. Yeah. I'm, I, I feel like we're repeating ourselves almost from earlier in the off season when we were talking about does Carson Wentz change the Colts and we were kind of like, eh, I maybe not really sure, but now, you know, he still can't stay healthy. So yeah, they need a better option. Um, number three thoughts on this nuke and K one connection looks and all caps lethal looks lethal. Yep. Yeah. But they looked lethal last year. So it's, it's no surprise. Yeah that they're just picking up right where they left off. Yeah, I, I agree. Like maybe they look a little more in tune where they, they have an extra year under their belt of timing of rhythm. Um, Deandre Hopkins is a freak. He, he is going to make anybody look good, but Kyler Murray looks like he is poised to be in that MVP conversation. Um, Probably not what Chris is hoping for, but it's just one of those things. That's that's the nature of how good he is. Um, and then his final question is, can the Panthers make the playoffs? It's a good question. Yep. I mean, not as like, obviously, they're not going to win the South. Um, if, if they get in, they would be a wild card team, but sure they can. I mean, I, I said it the start. I think Dar- Darnold's going to be better in Carolina than he ever was in New York because he has more talent around him. And as long as uh, McCaffrey can stay healthy, sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, obviously they need McCaffrey to be healthy. They need a few key pieces to be healthy, but their defense looks even better. Uh, That offense looks like it has a bunch of different weapons. Uh, Yeah. I, I think they can make the playoffs. You have to start thinking about who, you know, I don't think they're beating Tampa for the NFC South division title. So you have to start thinking who are the other teams that are going to be in the wild card mix. Um, But I I think the Panthers are right there. If they got into the playoffs, it wouldn't surprise me, but uh, it also wouldn't surprise me if they just missed out. Um, You know, I follow the Panthers on Twitter. They follow me. Whoever runs their Twitter is fantastic and uh they're they're a lot of fun to interact with so yeah i kind of want them to make the playoffs i think if chris chris probably should have answered no because maybe that's like a team that takes a a playoff spot away from them oh whoa oh it's a potential last question because he's he's live he's watching now i just sent him a text being like Jump on. I'm going to ask your question right now. All right. So here we go. I, I was talking on the phone the other day with my buddy, Jake Illickman, uh, which you re- Illickman might remember G. Jake from episode seven when Andrew called him a bully. <laughs> the, the Sorry, the definition of a bully. Look it up in a, in a dictionary and you, you see a picture of Jake Illickman. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> which um, I, I just want to add. And he uh, says Jake. He is Jake live. Li- if you were looking in the comments, 
Yeah, he is. Yeah, he, he's watching now. Yeah. Uh, Jake, Jake did say he was never more honored to be mentioned on a podcast uh, than to hear that he was a bully. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, we, we were talking about fantasy football, discussing different strategies, which talking str- fantasy football strategy with Jake um, is interesting because Jake doesn't usually go into the draft with any strategy. Uh, this year, for example, he drafted five defenses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Jake had a few uh, had a few drinks, and uh, by the end of the draft, realized that he had five defenses on his team. <laughs> so, defense so anyways, here. <laughs> he asked me to ask you to bring up the question on the, on the show. If you draft multiple guys in fantasy with the same bye week, do you a try to avoid that bye week the rest of the draft, or b go all in on that <laughs> bye week and just take a week off from fantasy? Uh, first of all, hey Jake, thanks for tuning in, and uh, glad you're honored to be mentioned in the podcast. It's funny that you mentioned this question because I had this conversation with somebody on Friday at work. Uh, We also had this conversation with Michaela. Uh, I can't remember whether that was on the episode or off the episode, but if your league doesn't have rules to where you have to start an active lineup every week, um, I honestly think that going all in on one bye week and just taking a loss is kind of worth it. Like you now we have 17 weeks or I guess technically what there's going to be 15 weeks maybe and then like your playoff rounds. But I don't think that's a horrible strategy to sort of just say, okay, all of my players are on bye week like week 11. I'm just going to take the loss and uh, win out or try to make the playoffs without that one win. I I think I think it's actually smart. Okay. See, I, I, I said to him, I was like, I, I never look at bye weeks either, but I was like, if I take two running backs and then after the fact notice that they, ha- they have the same bye week, well, maybe that third third running back, maybe I'm starting to look at that sort of thing. Um, I but will, I, I never look at bye weeks. I, I did in my very first fantasy football draft, somebody told me like, oh, make sure you're not like, doubling up on bye weeks so I was circling bye weeks and this and that and you end up reaching on guys that aren't as productive and let, let's say I don't even remember what week the bye weeks start at maybe they start at like seven six maybe um, if you take the best player available you can probably make a trade where you get better value out of the guy that has a similar bye week to all your other players so um, I agree, Jake. Uh, I am a genius. And by the sounds of it, you have that same draft strategy. So you're also a genius. I played fantasy football with Jake. I, I I, I, I'd like Jake. I don't know if I'd call him a genius. He just, he locks into um, a, a few scenarios here and there. <laughs> Look, I can't, I can't fault a guy. For, you know, maybe enjoying a draft a little too much and you wake up the next day and you say, oh, okay, I'm rolling with five defenses. Like, which of us hasn't that happened to? Like, I 
Okay. Me, I, I, I remember a couple me, years ago, I, 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 we were at a, a, a draft and it was the first year that our league introduced uh, Superflex. And Jake's like, yeah, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to draft like, <laughs> he drafted like four quarter, four quarterbacks. And he's like, someone's going to make a trade with me eventually. I think right. he had like, I think, I think he had Mahomes. I think he had Russell Wilson. <laughs> like he went all in like heavy on quarterbacks. And I, I don't know. You know what? I, I actually may have traded. Uh, actually, I think that was the year. Isn't the uh, Jake, you could probably comment. That might've been the year that I traded him um, Lamar for Russ and it totally screwed me over and I missed the playoffs that was probably uh, the because of year. that. So um, I'm going to give Jake a, a quick free shout out here. Um, Jake, his family uh, runs a local uh, family owned company. It's been in business for like over 50 years. Uh, Illichman's meat sausages and gourmet foods. Um, for anyone who's local in, in Kelowna, uh, I, I don't know if they do like local throughout BC, but anyone who's local in Kelowna, uh, go hit up Illichman's meats. You, you know where it is. It's on Gordon and I think Sutherland, yeah. uh, hit them up for lunch, go get some sandwiches. They're delicious. Uh, Jake always, uh, brings a few along for the bus ride to Kamloops when we go play lacrosse there. Uh, I I've grabbed a few, uh, for myself when I'm working, um, you know, the, their turkeys at Christmas time are, are delicious. Uh, so yeah, definitely Illichman's meats. Check it out. If you're local, uh, you won't be disappointed. Nice. Good shout out. Um, we're at the hour 40 marker here, Chris. So uh, obviously huge hype for this episode. Uh, it could have went really wrong if, you know, the Ravens like, blundered it at the end there and i've got to come on and talk about it and being like oh now i'm your today uh, <laughs> luckily uh it didn't have the same fate as the raiders game on monday night football so uh thanks to you guys if you tuned in live with us um we are streaming this on uh the dean blundell network account uh you can find our podcast there uh, deanblundell.com you can find me on twitter at ssfisher87 and as always Mr. Phillips I give you the last words of the episode yeah um, thanks everyone for, for tuning in watching the the live show um, you know for anyone that missed it uh, the podcast version will be available tomorrow morning first thing I think we usually drop it at like 6 a.m. Eastern. Um, that's a, that, that's a steep thing. He's the, 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 the mix master. Um, uh, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Like I said, at the start of the show, uh, go smash that subscribe button over on Apple, Spotify, wh wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Uh, give us a rating, a review. It's been a little while since we've had any reviews. So we would love to see, uh, what, what you guys think of the show course interact with us over on twitter at ballhawks underscore pod you can find me at phillips chris 12 and as always guys every week i say it go hawks peace do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. 
Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice in the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. 